Matthew chapter 5 on the um, progression of thought that Jesus preaches. Uh, and I am reminded how it, it, it illustrates, that progression illustrates the advent of Christ and um, how it's meant to get us to that place where we can have a personal relationship with Christ. So if you're here this morning, and, um, and I hope you are, uh, <clears throat> we're thinking about where we stand in all this, where our spirit is, what God has done for us. So if you're able, um, I'd like you to go ahead and stand as we <clears throat> turn to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 5, again, and the first several verses, we'll read down to verse 9 this morning. Glad for everybody here. Jesus said, seeing the multitude, he went up to a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we've studied some of these. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And this morning we're going to preach on verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Heavenly Father, as we pause again for a moment, our desire is that you would continue to deliver the message this morning. Help us to be in a place where we can be used for that. For each one that's here, we're grateful and most of all, we just want you to speak to us through the word and the spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Amen. Before I forget, we'll have a service this Wednesday night, this week at 7. It'll be a, a kind of song service and um, some Christmas story. And then our, our Christmas service will be Sunday morning at 10.30. There'll be no Sunday school. So um, if you can make that, we would love to see you this week coming up. Amen. Peacemaker. Are you a peacemaker? Are you a peacemaker this morning? Peacemaker. This is the only place in the Bible where this word is used. There's no other place in the Bible where the translation that we have is rendered as peacemaker. Anytime that happens, I pay attention. It must be an important place. And we see a progression from where we've started. The beggar inherits the kingdom. The mourner receives comfort. The mourner is, uh, in this sense, somebody that seeks a relationship with God because they find themselves in the darkness. The gentle or the meek, they inherit the earth. Not just this world, but they inherit the, <clears throat> the temple that they're in. The needy or the um, hungry and the thirsty 
they, they're going to be satisfied. The merciful, they show mercy, and they receive mercy. The pure in heart, they'll see God. Now, if you start from the first of these blessings and you just think about how the next one kind of requires the one before it, in a way, that kind of progression. But we get to this place where now he says there's a blessing for peacemakers. And I don't think he was talking necessarily about diplomats, that somehow they receive a special kind of blessing because they can, they can help people to stop warring. I really think it's more about each one of us. And, and uh, there's a special um, blessing and a special identity to be found as a peacemaker. And those that are found, these kinds of peacemakers, are called the children of God. There's a special relationship that God identifies for peacemakers, and he calls them his children. So we're going to talk about that. There is a relationship between being peaceable and being a peacemaker, but they're two different things. The scripture will talk about, we're going to go to a place just now in James where it talks about being peaceable, but that is not the same as a peacemaker. Again, this is the only place in the Bible where this word is used. Peaceable, you can find in different places. Not to diminish that because one requires the other. Peace flows out of people that are peacemakers. Peace flows out. That kind of peacemaker. They bring peace into the room. When they step into your presence, peace comes into the room. I have a question this morning. Are you a peacemaker? Can you claim to be a peacemaker? When you move into the room, when you're in somebody else's presence, do they, do they kind of feel that peace came into the room? When Jesus met his disciples after his resurrection and he appeared in the room with them, what did he say? Peace be unto you. And, and, and that kind of thing. When, when um, you meet someone in the Middle East today, if they speak Arabic, you say, peace be unto you. It's a greeting. And they say, and unto you also. It's, it's a way that for centuries people have greeted each other. Peace. When he sent his disciples out two by two and they were to... Um, testify to people and to help them. He said, if your spirit is welcome, stay there. But if they don't welcome your spirit, shake the very dust off your shoes because there's no work that you can do there. If, if you extend your peace and it is received, then you can work there. Then you can make peace. Peacemakers. Peacemakers are contagious. We know something about contagion, don't we? After a while, things that spread. We know a little bit about that. Things are still spreading is what they say. Do you know peace spreads? Peacemakers spread peace. They're contagious. We want to be contagious peace spreaders. Not, not sometimes peace spreaders and sometimes so ornery and so upset that nobody else wants to be in the room with us. 
I hope we're taking this personally. This is meant to be a message that we can measure ourselves by. These are peacemakers. When the Lord placed the Spirit of God in Adam when he was created, when he breathed into him, it says he breathed into Adam the breath of life. And in Luke, I think there's a place where Jesus breathes on his disciples and he, it's this idea that the Spirit of God goes out of God and into us. A peacemaker is kind of like that. If they were to breathe on you, not literally, I'm not telling you to go out and breathe on each other, but there's a transfer of peace, the breath of life, when we come into a place. Now, we can't do that unless we have the Spirit of God with us. Amen. So that's important. God can forgive us, but if we're not, if, if, if we're not able to transfer God's blessings to another, then we're really not a peacemaker. It's important. The peacemakers are the product of all these things that came before this scripture in in verse 9, they're poor in spirit. They mourn for the lost relationships with God. They, they have a meek nature. They're, they're hungry and thirsty after righteousness. They have a quality of mercy. They can forgive people who are guilty. And we're going to talk about that because peacemakers are merciful people. If you're here this morning, and we're going to talk again about Forgiveness and accountability. I'd like to ask you a question. Is there another human being on the planet that you have not forgiven? I thought, I thought about this morning. My God, don't help me get to the place where I find myself having taken my last breath and at a moment of God's choosing, I'm standing at the judgment, and he tells me that I have arrived with unforgiveness in my heart for another person. He tells us later, we can't have unforgiveness for another and say that we love God. So we need to do business this morning. This is not, well, I'll get to that, brother. We'll, we'll do that later. Somewhere in my life, I know that I'm going to get to the place where I can forgive that other. Do you want to live with that? That if there was ever a sword hanging over our head, it's having unforgiveness for another human being. Amen. A peacemaker has forgiveness. And my wife and I have raised teenagers. And sometimes they test your mercy and your gentleness and your meekness and your, and your virtues that we're finding here. So I get it. This is a very difficult thing sometimes. And God help us that as we go along that we can employ what we're reading here. Meant to. Believe me, you don't want to get to the place where you raise your children and then years later as you look back, you say, oh, I wish I had known how to do this. Amen. Peacemakers. Peacemakers. These, these things that we're reading here in Matthew chapter 5, it all, it all leads up to being a peacemaker. 
Okay. So I want to talk about the difference between being peaceable and how that leads us to being a peacemaker and a little bit about how that's necessary today and who, the, who is the one, ultimately, that helps us to become a peacemaker. And what does a peacemaker do? James, chapter 3. So we'll, we'll just remember this verse here in 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now I want you to go to James. And we'll spend some time here. Chapter 3. Our thought this morning is, who are the peacemakers? How do they get there? How does one become a peacemaker? What is the value of a peacemaker today? Are you a peacemaker? We can't be a peacemaker until we have first been made peaceable. Have you been made peaceable? It's a, it's a, it's a state of being. Okay. Chapter 3 in James. The first part of the chapter, he speaks about the unruly tongue, but I'd like to focus on earthly and heavenly wisdom, and that starts in verse 13, and it goes down to 18. James chapter 3. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom, or in our language today, let the, let the way he's living demonstrate his works with meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter, every one of these scriptures matters. If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. We can't say, Lord, I'll get to it. Lord, I'm working on it. Uh, Lord, that's one of my bad habits. Or Lord, that's my fault. We're lying. If we have bitterness and envying in our heart, don't glory in some possession of, of salvation that you're claiming by virtue of one day asking God to forgive you of something. Don't glory in that. It's a mockery to God. And it, it discourages people when we claim to have that experience, but there's two natures in us warring against each other. It makes a mockery of what God can do. We should, this morning, we should make a, a decision. If I have two natures, the inclination to do evil and the inclination to do good, if I find myself today with those natures warring against each other, God tells us he has a, he has a solution for that here on the earth today. Now, it doesn't take away our humanity nor our personality, but according to God in heaven, it changes us so that we become peaceable. And once we become peaceable, then we can be a peacemaker. So if you find yourself with these two natures still warring within you, we have business to do with God. And it doesn't matter whether we come to church here often or we come to church here once in a while or whether we claim to have an experience with Christ every day. If, if we find these two natures yet within us warring, there's still yet business we have to do with God. And by the way, um, I would suggest there's business we have to do this morning. We have business to do this morning. I wonder if some of us have business to do this morning. And we have arrived here having been faithful in many ways, but we yet find 
How do you know whether you have these two natures warring against each other? Because when you feel opposition or a trial in life, somebody did you wrong, somebody upset you, somebody took something that didn't belong to them, whatever, you find opposition. You're driving down the road and, and uh, something happens, you don't even know the people. You're in the market. You're dealing with the company on the telephone, right? It's been a long day, a long week. And, um, you know, nowadays, as the brother said, in this season, uh, sometimes it can get kind of stressful. Some of us are going to be traveling this week. Those kinds of things. And then the question is, what comes out of you in those moments? God, help us, please. What comes out of us? That's when we know what's inside. Don't make excuse Amen. Amen. for an inclination to do evil. Don't make excuse. And it sounds pretty severe, doesn't it? The inclination to do evil. Really, that's what leads us to sin. It leads us to what the Bible calls a carnal nature, a fleshly nature, a walk after the flesh, is the inclination, the, 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 the desire, the, the, the kind of movement toward evil. That's really what it is. There's only an inclination toward good or an inclination toward evil, one or the other. And we need to find ourselves not constantly like a metronome going back and forth between these two things. God has something better for his people. Amen. We're talking about being peaceable and what it is and what it isn't. This wisdom descendeth not from above the bitter envying and the strife, but it's earthly, sensual, devilish. We need to call it what it is. If these things afflict us, we're not being moved by heavenly wisdom. We're being moved by sensual, devilish, earthly wisdom. We need to call it what it is. For envying, where envying and strife is, there is confusion and what? Every evil work. He quite clearly explains what it is. This is not simply, I had a bad day, or my loved one really set me off, or I just can't help myself when these things come up. This is how I end up going. God has something better than that. God help us, please. God help us. Help us be, hold ourselves accountable. Somebody says, well, uh, you've said there's a difference between forgiveness and accountability, and there is. But it first needs to start here. I need to hold myself accountable. And if I need, somebody said, well, pray for more grace. And I heard a wonderful message once where someone said, you don't need to pray for more grace. God gives grace upon grace. God doesn't withhold grace to his people. We need to pray that our eyes would be open, our heart would be open, and we would have access to the grace that God has already provided. Don't pray for more grace as if my behavior is because somehow I don't have enough grace. 
That implies that God withholds grace. God, help us to see ourselves, be aware of ourselves as we are. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. Look at the words that are here and go back to Matthew chapter 5 and find the same words here that are in Matthew chapter 5. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. First we become peaceable, and then we can be a peacemaker. Amen. It deals with this inclination to do evil. Invariably, the human being will succumb to this inclination. All of us will. Otherwise, there would be no need for a savior. If somehow we were immune from doing evil at some point in our life, Jesus never needed to come. If we could always simply obey God out of our free will, then someone would say, well, I make up my mind to do good, and that's the way I'm going to live today. There's no need for the Savior. Our, our spirit is a function of our own power. That's not really the way humanity works. There's a point in time where people are subject to the inclination to do evil. And it's at that moment when we become accountable for our decision, we become the children of wrath. We have a wrathful nature at that point. Thank God he has a solution for the wrathful nature. And that person that obtains that solution obtains a, a nature from above, a peaceable nature. The child of wrath, mark it down, the child of wrath is not peaceable. And a peaceable person is not a child of wrath. And if we find in ourselves this wrathful nature working and it becomes awful to us, as Paul said in chapter 7 of Romans, that we become wretched because we want to do what's right, but this wrathful nature keeps rearing its ugly head. God has a solution for that. Amen. Because he wants us to be peaceable. He wants... To, to solve that wrathful nature in us. The child of wrath is not peaceable. The child of wrath cannot forgive when they need to forgive. When the opposition comes, their peaceableness is only skin deep. How's our peaceable self this morning? Is it as good until something really gets hard? Amen. Do you know that the preacher talks to himself while he's talking to you? Is our peaceableness only good until the opposition really gets hard? I, I have certain, don't you have certain things that just test your peaceableness? Certain things, right? Yeah? There are certain large companies that can only be reached by telephone today. They test my peaceableness. You know, you're trying to get through the automated attendant and you're trying to get a real person. And um, 
you just can't get through. And then, you know, you, they play the whole music indefinitely. And um, maybe if you're lucky, you'll get a person on the phone that will say, um, if you'd like a callback in 12 days, 14 hours, and 17 minutes, please leave your number, you know. Those things test my peaceableness. Or the person comes on the phone and they, you know, you're having a rotten day. And, and primarily at the moment, it's because of that particular company and, the, and what's going on. And, and, and they don't solve your problem. And at the end of the phone call, they say, have a nice day. <laughs> if you don't get anything out of church, replace that one with, have a better day. Because when you say have a nice day and you made it rotten, that's like pouring salt on the wound. Anyways. <laughs> Is our peaceableness only skin deep? What Jesus calls blessings in Matthew will not leave us only skin deep. If we have a poverty of spirit that cannot go another day without finding Christ at his throne. That's not skin deep. That'll take you way down. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness because your cup has been emptied of the vanity of life, that'll take you way deeper than skin deep. If there's somebody in your life that deserves your forgiveness and it's been so difficult, and you can truly forgive them, that'll take you deeper than skin deep. Those kinds of things. What comes out of us when we're facing this opposition? If it's these things that he called envy or bitter envying or strife or other places, malice or anger or bitterness, if that's what comes out, then the peaceableness that we're claiming is only skin deep and it needs to get deeper. And if that's the way it is this morning, and if it's been that way for us recently, we need to do business before we leave here. Amen. Okay. James chapter three and these verses that we've read, 13 through 18. Take that home this week and make it your devotion and think about each of these verses and where do you find yourself in this passage right here? Am I at peace with God and the world right now? The world is crazy. But I can be at, look at, how am I going, how am I going to be a peacemaker if I feel so angry with the world? Have we gotten to the place where we can only make peace with one political party? But the other political party, I want to string them up. Have we gotten to that place? Has, have the children of God gotten to the place where because of the divisions in society, there's a, there's a, there's a, a cohort or, or, or a class of people out there that, that we can't make peace with? We got a problem. Now we say amen, but when you go home, is it, oh, I need to change some things on my Facebook page. Oh, I need to change some comments that I made about certain things. 
Hello? We say amen in church, but do we go home and on our social media and the people that we know, am I thinking in the back of my mind, I got to change some things because I'm not lined up. No, 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 no. This is the problem. This is the problem. If that's the case, we have become too much like the spirit of the world. But if also there are groups or people or things that we, we, we can't make peace with, then we have a problem. We, we, we can't isolate ourselves and, and withdraw into our little uh, 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 favorite places and say, well, the rest of it is evil and wicked, so I just don't, I'm not, I'm not even going to touch it, you know. Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Peacemakers are peaceable first. Okay. Mm-hmm. When, when you run into opposition or, or, or it's a situation with another person and it really upsets you or, or might make you angry or might make you um, afraid, essentially what is happening is that situation is threatening your peace. That's what's happening. And what you're worried about is that situation or that person will take your peace. And so what happens is we create buffers or we, we artificially separate ourselves out of fear or anger or upset to keep it away from us. I know what I'm talking about. This is not an opinion. And the problem is we are afraid that that situation or that person or that opposition is going to take our peace. I believe what Jesus has taught is that Romans chapter 8, I wonder if we really believe this. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall take our peace? Now listen, if we really believe this, shall tribulation or distress or persecution, listen, they put that word persecution in there for a, for a reason. We're going to talk about that next week. Or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, or we are subject to situations or people or things that threaten to take our peace. For we are accounted as sheep as the slaughter, nay, and all these things, what? We are more than conquerors. Do we believe this? Through him that loved us. Why? Because I'm persuaded that there's nothing that can take my peace. Now, if we say that, it will influence how we behave. If what we believe will influence how we behave. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, things present, nor anything to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature. In other words, there is nothing that is supposed to be able to take our peace, shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing. 
But what we feel when we feel this threat is we feel the need to withdraw to protect something in us that we feel is going to be taken from us. It is at that moment, God help us, that we need to find God. He becomes this for us. And then it leaves us available, you see. Even in the presence of the threat or the opposition, it leaves us available to be a peacemaker. But if we retreat, I'll just be real clear. You have a child and a parent, or two spouses, or a family member and a family member, or you and another person. It's, it's usually a, 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 a familiar kind of relationship. Opposition arises. Upset arises. Um, strong differences of opinion arise. And in that moment, you know, you want this to happen and they want that to happen. Or they've done this and they've made you upset and you wish they hadn't, and so now it's a, it, it, it hits something real strong in here. They just touched your bucket. There's, there's a response. And if this happens enough, it gets even more toxic if it repeats itself. This is very important. I thought to myself, I'm gonna be a little bit pastoral this morning. Is that all right? The pastor is gonna speak to you this morning. Thank the Lord for our ministers that help us. But this morning, the pastor is going to speak to you. Are you willing to be pastored? The pastor is responsible for the sheep in their flock. The pastor cannot do their job unless the sheep will not follow. Now, if the pastor is not following Christ, then you don't have to follow the pastor. But if you're willing to be pastored, there's certain things that the pastor needs to know in order to help you and pastor you. That's why I say, just coming to church here and sitting in the bench and listen to a preacher, that's not being pastored. The pastor is when we leave here and we make these decisions about our life. Who you intend on marrying who you intend on being with. Did you call the pastor? Did you say, brother, this is in my heart. This is what I'm thinking. Will you pray with me? I'm really interested. Or you're planning on making a move and going to Timbuktu and taking people with you. Or you're planning on making some huge life change. My question is, are you willing to be pastored this morning? I am not a spiritual advisor. That's a politically correct term which is used today. If you're willing to be pastored, you're not sitting under a spiritual advisor. You're sitting under a pastor who is accountable to God for your soul and loses sleep over you at night and is praying for you and may never tell you. Come on. 
There are things that can take our peace. There are threats that can take our peace. It can take the pastor's peace. The, pastor's, the pastor is simply a vessel that occupies a place in the kingdom of God and is used for a certain purpose. But the pastor is also a person, a man or a woman who, just like all of us, has the same faults and same weaknesses and same threats, just like all of us. That's why I can say with confidence what I'm saying this morning, because I too have had to deal with opposition, threats, so forth. We have a family. We've had all the same circumstances that you've had. We have regrets. We wish that we had done things certain ways that we didn't in the past. That's why we say now, not to condemn, but to say, look, sometimes we've gone through experience. We want to share the wisdom that we've gone through with you because the wisdom from above will leave us peaceable. Amen. And that's my desire, is that we could find peace. Why? So that we could become a peacemaker. Amen. Amen. If all of this can take our peace, we can't do our job as a peacemaker. Okay. Let me go back to Matthew. And verse 9. And so just to remember... Blessed are the peacemakers, and I want to connect that because they shall be the children of God. That's very important. A peaceable person is ultimately called to another position. The peaceable person is called to be a peacemaker. All of us, there's all of us here are called to be peacemakers. Now, if I'm here this morning and I don't have a peaceable nature about me, then God cannot use me to be a peacemaker. I first need a peaceable nature. And if I find myself without a peaceable nature, I need to get to a place with God where he can make my nature peaceable. At the end of every service, we provide a time of prayer where people can do business with God based on what they've heard. And so this morning, if you find yourself justified but not peaceable, then I would recommend having a little time of prayer with God and say, Lord, change my nature. Help me to truly be peaceable, not just better or not just a Christian, but I, I want to be peaceable so I can extend peace to somebody else. That's a peacemaker. A peacemaker does these things. A peacemaker witnesses to a lost world the glory of God. Is that what we do? Is that what we do? A peacemaker is wise enough to apply the healing power of God to someone in pain. A peacemaker is merciful even to the one who is guilty. That's a peacemaker. A peacemaker has a meek spirit. They're easily entreated. They're not hard to get along with. If they're corrected, they take it. There's not this immediate blame thing goes on. 
A peacemaker is hungry and thirsty after righteousness. Give me more. I hunger and thirst for it. A peacemaker has compassion for somebody that's torn up inside. A peacemaker is humble enough to ask for help. Hello! A peacemaker. There's wisdom in the multitude of counselors that follow the wisdom of God. A peacemaker is somebody that's going to be willing to ask for help when they need help. Amen. Why? Because if we find ourselves too proud or too ashamed about something or feel that no one can help me, very difficult for you to make peace. Very difficult. I know by experience. Peacemaker. These are things that a peacemaker can do. Are you a peacemaker? Jesus said in this scripture, look at, if you were in the audience that was in that hillside below Christ, and he's up above and he's preaching to these people, and he's saying these are blessings to people if they can find themselves in these places, if God can help them with this, and there, there are certain promises that will follow. And you're in the audience down there, and you're listening. Is there anyone here this morning that believes that you're not entitled to be in this audience? Or, another way to say it, is there anyone here this morning that believes that you wouldn't want to be in this audience? And every blessing here and every accompanying promise is meant to apply to all of us. But it also, with the blessing and the promise, comes an obligation, doesn't it? It demands a certain belief and a certain behavior on my part. I can't just claim these promises. There's a certain obligation incumbent upon me to receive these promises. My point is, I hope none of us are leaving ourselves out because of circumstances. Verse 18, um, back in James chapter 3, the end of that passage, it, it ties to this scripture in Matthew. The last verse there, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. If you're a peacemaker, you will sow peace and righteousness. Sooner or later, if we say we're a peacemaker, sooner or later, I understand there comes a season where you don't feel very peaceable and you don't feel like you have the ability to make peace. I understand those seasons, sometimes they happen. But sooner or later, we should expect fruit from our life that demonstrates peace. We should expect it. We should expect it. We should expect the fruit of righteousness. It'll be evident from the work of a peacemaker. This season, and I'm done. This season, um, I, thought, I think about this often. I go out. I go to the local sandwich store for lunch, 
I'm with the person that's attending me, and I tell them what I want to eat. And um, I've got all these things on my mind. My head is all occupied with something else. There's a person right in front of me. Their head's occupied with the sandwich. Neither of us are talking to each other. I'm talking to this person about making a sandwich. They're asking me what I want in the sandwich. When we're done, I put the credit card in the machine. I get my drink. I don't know what they say. Thank you for coming or something. And I might mumble, okay. As I'm walking out, right? Nothing happened there. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to say I, I made no peace. I made no peace in that moment. I had the opportunity to make peace. I claimed to be peaceable. I had the opportunity to make peace. I made no peace. That's why I say, God help us each one. We have such an opportunity to make peace in the world with ordinary transactions and daily encounters and people that we see that we don't even know. And even more, what if it's our family and we're taking for granted somebody in our family or there's some situation or whatever? Again, I can raise my hand. So you don't have to be the guilty here. And, and then, Time goes by, and I haven't made peace. And somebody says, yeah, but they have to be willing to receive peace in order for you to give it. I understand what you're saying, but is that a cop-out to a certain extent? I, I understand what you're saying. I'm asking, I'm asking, how do I see myself in this transaction? Not whether or not I can be successful because of the other. I'm asking, how do I see myself? Because sooner or later, I should expect fruit of righteousness if I claim to be a peacemaker. This is very close to the last message in this series that is really an Advent series. It's really looking forward to the coming of Christ. But all of these things are part of a, a journey. I thought about it this morning. We need to move spiritually. We need to keep moving spiritually. Whenever God shows us to move, we need to move where God shows us. It's a journey that we're on. We brought a whole series over a year ago of beginning from the destination of our own making. We make our own destinations, we camp there, and we say, it's all good, this is where I need to be. God wants us to move us from there to some other place. Where does he want you to move this morning? Let's stand, thank you for your attention.